Hey, this is Adam Morgan from Hope's Fall, and you're listening to my chapter on As the Story Grows. What would you say you do here? Have a good time all the time. Dominate. Who's got it better than us? Nobody! What in God's holy name are you blathering about? Well, I'll tell you what I'm blathering about. I've got information, man. I want you to be realistic. What do you love about music? Man being realistic. As the story grows. I always wanted to be part of a small rebellion. You got this, Travis. Make him wait for it. Boom. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm uh, I'm excited to talk to you. Yeah. Um, did I read somewhere that uh, Josh and Chad work at Old Mecklenburg Brewing? Uh, yeah, Josh, Chad, and Dustin, three of the guys. Oh, oh, all three of them. I've actually been there, so it's funny. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, my wife lived in Charlotte for four or five years, um, and her best friend still lives lives down there. So. Um, they live in Noda, so usually we go to like uh, Free Range and Birdsong. Um, but yeah, we went there for like an Oktoberfest thing three oh, years ago. Oh, dude, now, I'm sitting here drinking the f- freshly released Mechtoberfest by Old Mecklenburg. Uh, just came oh, out nice. yesterday. No, it came out on Monday. My bad. But yeah, it's my oh, that's awesome. favorite. Yeah, it's, it's it's by far my favorite Oktoberfest beer. It's delicious. Yeah, yeah. I've, I remember good things. So it was just funny. What was it? I think it was Alternative Press where I read that, and I was like, "Oh, I've been there." Yeah, yeah. They Josh will uh, plug that any chance he gets. It's, I mean, it's it's an awesome place, man. It really is. Yeah, yeah. It was really cool. Um. So the new record, the new Hope Soul record, I love it, man. It's awesome. Um, oh, thank you, dude. Thank you. Yeah, I think it's definitely uh, the best work you've done together. Um, and the discography is so different, but but I yeah I think I think it's great. Oh man, that's that's so good to hear. Uh, I I tend to agree with you. I, I I'm just really really impressed with how everything came out, and um I I'm just really proud of it. I you know I I was out after satellite years, and um I was always kind of always kind of hoping that or not hoping, but kind of wishing that I would have had one more chance you know, to do one more album with the guys because I just, I just felt like I never got that, um, just complete package record that I wanted to be a part of. And I, I feel totally satisfied and, uh, and good to go with this new one. It's, it's everything I wanted it to be. And I'm, I'm super proud of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the songs, like they seem to fit 
tend to work into the band's whole discography. Like watching the Kerrang! live video uh, from the show in Brooklyn um, is like, it didn't seem like no matter what error song you played, it all flowed together. And I don't know if that's just the way Jay's doing his vocals now or just the way it all ties in. Like it, it sounded great together. Right. Yeah. Um, that, that's really encouraging to hear. It's something we've heard um, quite a bit, which was, which is just so refreshing is that, you know, it's kind of that sound that we've always had is still there and it's still prominent and it's, it's still identifiable as that hopes fall sound. And that's just, you know, something that was really important to us. And we're so glad that that came through, um, you know, to the listener. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I don't know if you know or have any input, um, but it seems like there's a theme running through the record lyrically. Do you know any of Jay's insight writing lyrics or I have zero idea about that. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. That... <laughs> oh, it's, Oh, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm horrible at deciphering lyrics and I, I especially, especially Jay's, uh, I, I love them and yeah. I, you know, it's just, it's beyond me sometimes, but yeah, that, sorry, that'd be a better question for Jay or, uh, I think Josh, Josh has a pretty good grasp on that as well. All right. All right. I'll have to hit up Jay and get him to, to break it down. Go track by track with me one time. Yeah. There you go. Um, That'd be a good one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think so. I'll have to, have to hit him up. <laughs> all right. Let, let's, let's jump back. We don't have to go through, uh, your whole life history, but are you originally from Charlotte? Uh, pretty much. I mean, I was born in Wilson, North Carolina. Um, at some point, I was living in Indiana pre-kindergarten, but then when I started kindergarten, I was in Charlotte by then. So from then till now, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Cool, cool. And then I'm curious, like, um, maybe, maybe a two-part question here. What got you into drumming and what got you into music? Or maybe one influenced the other. Um uh, <laughs> Um, uh, the, the, the point that stands out in my mind the most is, um, you know, I was probably, I think I was in maybe sixth grade and, um, I have an uncle, uh, yeah, I've got, I've got three uncles, but this uncle, uncle John, um, he was always kind of the one that me and my brother always, uh, you know, we thought was the coolest out of the uncles. He always would, you know, play sports with us and he'd, uh, you know, while the other uncles would read the newspaper at family gatherings and, and, uh, you know, just, just kind of stay away from the kids for the most part. He was the, he was the fun, cool uncle. And, um, I remember my, my mom was hosting a, like a Christmas or Thanksgiving, uh, family get together at, at our house. Um, probably like when I was in the sixth grade and, uh, you know, my uncle John came over and he drove a cool car. He played with us. He brought it, brought in a, uh, a CD and it, it, it was Phil Collins serious hits live. And, um, I mean, it, you know, we just looked so, we just looked up to the guy so much. We just thought he was so cool. And obviously, you know, he was playing that, that CD and I was just like, Oh man, this is the coolest thing I've ever heard. 
and uh you know he drove us out to the local baseball park to uh you know to throw baseball and hit baseball then we were listening to that on the on the drive up there and you know i just i something about it just i just latched onto it you know and so after the uh the get together was over and he went back to uh raleigh which is where he's from you know, like the next day, I, you know, begged my mom to take me to the CD store and to buy me a Phil Collins CD, you know, the Serious Hits Live CD. And, uh, yeah. and she did, you know, she did. So, um, I just, I mean, I just dove into that just head on. And then I just started learning more about Phil Collins. I realized he wasn't just a singer, that he also played drums. And I just, I, it just really, started there and that's kind of when I decided you know that's what I want to play I want to play drums like Phil Collins you know and uh you know like I said that yeah that was like in sixth grade or so and then you know years later I start getting into you know I start kind of choosing my own music and stuff like that but that's where that's where it all started that's cool that's cool when did you play in your first band I guess I was about 15 and the band was called One Amazing Kid. It was with my friend Chris Kincaid who would be the original bass player for Hope's Fall who uh, recorded bass on the first Hope's Fall record, The Frailty of Word, and also did um, The Frailty of Words. I'm sorry, I misspoke there. And um, he did some uh, some of the higher pitch uh, singing vocals. Um, okay. So it was with Chris. He played guitar in One Amazing Kid, and he sang. And my friend Sarah Snyder, who played bass. But yeah, I was 15, and um, we were just kind of, I guess, I guess you'd call it kind of like an emo band. But that's that was the first band I was in. Okay. You guys ever record anything or just just played like schools or yeah we uh Sarah, the bass player, her dad was deep in the music industry um I can't recall exactly in what way now, but uh he had a hookup in Louisiana at a super nice recording studio, and uh you know we had about. 11 or 12 songs together and you know she told me and Chris um you know my dad can book some time in a studio all we got to do is pay for the plane tickets and um you know we can we can do an album and of course we jumped all over it you know I was 15 I think it was like I think the plane ticket was probably my my Christmas present from my parents that that year but um yeah we went we went down there and we we recorded an album and it's somewhere someone I, I got like a digital version of it somewhere but uh yeah but we didn't we didn't play too many you know shows i mean we we were we were all youth group kids so we played a couple of church gigs but uh but you know that's where i really got you know really got my feet wet and um yeah. just kind of learned about playing with other people and the recording process
that's cool that's a that's an amazing experience to have so young oh yeah it was it was totally yeah so did you was hope saw your next band after that or were there yeah yeah right after that um we you know me and chris started playing with some of our other friends who turned out you know was ryan Parrish and josh brigham mm-hmm. and uh doug venable and that was the original lineup of hope of hope's fall and it was um it was when we were still you know i was probably 16 at the time talking about 1998 i think yeah and um and it was just kind of around the same time that we were just discovering hardcore music, you know, but Ryan and Josh and Chris were still heavily influenced by bands like the Smashing Pumpkins and Hum. So um, it was just kind of an organic kind of, uh, you know, kind of a collaboration that, that, just resulted in these uh smashing pumpkins fans just discovering hardcore <laughs> so uh so that's kind of how that you know happened. We had a couple friends that were that had just started hardcore bands and it was just it was all new and exciting you know it was just the energy of it and everything like that and going to shows and experiencing just how how crazy it was it was something that was very um yeah, it looked good to us, and we were excited about it. Yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, I remember hearing the Frailty of Words for the first time. I think it like you had two songs up on MP3.com at the time. Uh, it was like broke. Uh, that, yeah, that like, sounds bro- about right. Yeah, it, it had it, like Broken Heart of a Trader was one of them because I remember hearing that song and just being like, "Oh, I don't think I've ever heard anything like this before." <laughs> search engine was at the time like you know finding the album on was it dts records and uh dts was that just like a friends label or the guy that ran dts uh the guy named vic kucha and he lived in columbia south carolina which was only about you know an hour and a half drive south and um and and my friends and I would go to Columbia, South Carolina all the time because Vic, uh, the guy that started DTS, he would book all these shows at, uh, at his church, uh, you know, on like the weekend nights and they called it the warehouse. And, um, I mean, he would book all the tooth and nail bands and I mean, you know, like, just all the good, the good acts back then from the tooth and nail era, you know, and, um, so we'd go down there all the time to go see shows because they weren't coming to Charlotte. And, um, you know, we met the guy a couple times and we're like, 
you know, we're in a band. We'd love to play the warehouse. You know, if you if you got a if you got a band that needs somebody to open up for or or whatever, and you know, he's like, okay, you know, y'all come play, and we ended up playing a show. I don't remember who it was with, but um, you know, around the same time, he was just starting up the idea of of you know doing a record label, and he approached us about yeah. about recording our songs, and we jumped all over it. So that's kind of how that came yeah. to be. Did you guys uh, get hooked up with Takehold Records after that via Furnace Fest? No, Furnace Fest was was later. He used Chad from Takehold used to do. Uh, I don't. I think it was maybe just called Birmingham Fest or something like that. That he would uh, that he would do at his church or somebody's church. It was some some big big room. Uh, that he would do, and he had, I think he had his label at the time, and it was, I think it was a good way to showcase his band, but he would also invite a lot of other bands, and um, I don't remember how we hooked up with him, I just think we were, I just think after Cornerstone 99, we kind of had a buzz in the, yeah. in that kind of hardcore Christian uh, music scene, and um, he reached out to us, and, um, you know, he was like, you know, he was he was interested, you know, for sure. And he just told us, you know, I'd love to put out something for you guys. You know, I don't think we ever, we never touched pen to paper at all, honestly. Yeah. And uh, he, it was just a handshake deal, and he ended up putting out the next uh, the EP that we did after Frailty of Words. You know, um, nobody to speak of. So he was a yeah uh, such a great dude. All you know, nothing but good things to say about Chad. <laughs> time after no wings um that you guys before you signed with trust Guild, that you guys almost signed with solid state is that true and they just offered you like a, a garbage contract kind of yeah i mean but at the same time trust kill i mean they were we were going back and forth back and forth just kind of like ping pong uh with 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 tooth and nail contract and trust guild contract, you know, we kind of use one as leverage for the other one and then go back to the, you know, it it turned out to be the same. I mean, yeah, tooth and nail wanted, you know, all our publishing and, you know, I mean, they're a business. They got to try to do what they can to make money. And, uh, yeah, at, at some point, we got the contract to be pretty much the same, you know, after negotiations and kind of going back and forth. But, um, yeah, you know, it's it was just ultimately at the end of the day, it was a decision to 
not get pigeonholed into a certain scene. So we, yeah, yeah. you know, we went with trust. We, we thought, I mean, this is, I'm trying to remember 15 years ago or so, however long yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we just didn't want to be a tooth and nail band and live and die a tooth and nail band. We, you know, we thought that maybe we could, we thought there were bigger and better options that um, would present themselves if we kind of steered away from from that box by going with trust kill. So we, that was ultimately the the, the kind of the, the decision maker for us. What was it like bringing Jay in the band at that time? Hmm, good question. I've never been asked that one. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, it was it was it was completely natural. It was the it was the most logical decision after Doug decided that he was gonna, you know, step out. Um, you know, I don't think any of us had any worry about it. You know, I mean, we, we, we even, you know, discussed with Trustkill. Um, I remember we were playing a show at CBGB's in New York and we were meeting with, uh, Trustkill that night also. And, uh, it was before we signed and we, you know, we flat out told him, you know, this is like, this is one of Doug's last shows. And, um, you know, and they were, they, you know, they they were a little concerned, but you know, we assured them that we had a guy. We already knew that it was going to be Jay at that point, and uh, they were comfortable yeah. with it. and They trusted us, and um, and I, uh, you know, it, it turned out great in my opinion. Um, I mean, Doug was Doug was a great front man, uh, you know, and Jay uh, stepped in, and he's done his own thing, and it's 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 been great, and we never really had any. Any worry about it? Never really thought twice about it. So yeah, it was just totally organic, and and it was um it was a friend, and it just felt good. That's awesome. Yeah, I never there was never any drop off there vocally. His lyrics were always different, but they were different in a good way. So oh, Jay's a great lyricist, but no doubt. Yeah, and I, I think he's only gotten better with each record. Absolutely, I agree. So what what led to your decision to leave? Um. Uh, a couple things. Um, a lot of it being a girl. Okay. <laughs> that story. Right. Uh, so, you know, we had just come off, we had just come off a solid year or more of non-stop touring on the Satellite Years, um, album. You know, and, um, you know, touring nonstop isn't the easiest thing in the world, especially when you're coming home and you're 
you just got barely enough to to pay your bills and um and we had come home and it was time to write a new record um and around the same time I had lost a or you know I'd broken up or you know a long time girlfriend had broken up with me and um you know obviously the road and the band had a lot to do with that and I was you know I was let's see like 21 at the time you know so uh, you know, that was just devastating to me, you know. <laughs> you know, so we started writing A-types and, um, you know, which we decided that we were going to take a different approach at it stylistically, uh, you know, um, mm-hmm. with a lot of verse, chorus, bridge, kind of any uh, full singing. And, um, you know, I, I was into it, and but... I was also a little worried about it. You know, I knew we were going to lose a lot of fans. Um, but it was coming, you know, we we had written about eight songs together for the new album. And it was getting close to, uh, to time to go to the studio. And at that point, I had also just started dating uh, a new girl and was in a new relationship. And, um, you know, and I knew after... I knew after that we were, I knew after we recorded this album that the cycle was going to start again. You know, we were going to have to hit the road, um, you know, just be away for a long time. And, you know, I started kind of getting, you know, I kind of got started getting scared about what was going to happen to my new relationship. I was a little scared about the new sound we were, you know, uh, trying to achieve and we were putting out there and um, it just kind of, you know, I was doing, I had a lot of new friends at the, the job I was at and, um, you know, I just felt like maybe this was the end of the road for me. I had a life in Charlotte. I had a job. I had, I had friends. I had a new girlfriend. Um, I kind of felt like I didn't I felt like all of that was enough of an identity for me that I didn't need a Hope's Fall drummer to be my life anymore. And, um, you know, so I kind of figured, you know, I I wanted to record A-types with them, you know, but during a practice, uh, maybe like a couple of weeks before we went in the studio, um, you know, I I, I kind of spilled the beans and I told him, you know, my intentions were to, you know, record the record and then I was done. And, um, you know, at that point they started thinking about a new drummer and we had a good buddy named Adam Baker who was a great drummer and, um, he was the obvious next candidate, you know. So they, you know, they told me, um, you know, we're going to get Adam Baker to, you know, to be the next drummer and, um, you know, he's gonna, he's gonna be touring on this new album, A-Types, and, uh, we figure if he's gonna be touring on it, um, we might as well let him record the new record and make it his own. And I, you know, fair enough, you know, I can't, yeah. I can't argue that, so they ended up going with him for the, for that record, and so that, that was it.
Wikipedia says you toured on A-Tapes a little bit. Is that true? or is that just... Yeah, that's true. Um, they toured a lot with Adam Baker as the drummer, and um, things weren't things weren't working out that great um, in that situation. <laughs> so, um, you know, I was, they'd come back from a lot of touring and um, at one point, Josh came over to my house um, in between, you know, like during a, a downtime for them and I think we watched like a football game together and then he, you know, approached me about you know, that they were going to part ways with Adam Baker and, uh, they had a couple commitments as far as touring goes and, um, you know, asked me if I'd, I'd fill in and, and do that stuff. And, uh, you know, uh, Brazil, uh, a tour in Brazil was part of that. So I, I absolutely had to say yes, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, that's, that's how that came about. Yeah, it's funny. I remember when A-Types came out because my roommate at the time, he went and bought the record and like he came home the next day and came into my room and like threw the CD at me and was like, here you go. I don't like this. <laughs> I was like, oh, I was like, oh, man, what's what's wrong? He goes, they changed their sound. It's not good. And I remember putting it on and being like, OK, it's di- it's different, but I dig it. But he was just like so like burr. And I was like, oh, no, this is cool. That's what expectation does. Uh, it kills yeah. things. Like, I mean, yeah. I, I've had this conversation a lot uh, with different people, but um, it's it's an unfair it's an unfair thing to put on bands. And I'm guilty mm-hmm. of it. Everybody's guilty of it. But uh, yeah. you expect something that sounds a certain way, and if it doesn't, you you completely write it off without giving it a fair shake or without without yeah. listening to it, you know, as as its own, you know, entity, as its own piece of music apart from being lumped into the discography of the rest of the band. And um it it it, it it's terrible, man. Expectation kills uh a lot of stuff. And I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm yeah. just as guilty, you know. But um, I find that records that I've done that to, years later I come back to it without that expectation because, you know, I'm over it. Years have passed. And then I can finally sit yeah. down and listen to it as its own piece of art or music. And I can, I can listen to it in a total different mind frame and a different light and end up loving it, you know? Yeah. And, uh, that's, that's just how it is. I mean, it's, you can't fault anybody for it, but it's, it's just a beast. It's a beast. Yeah. No, I remember when, uh, when get up kids put out, uh, their rules and listening to that being like, what the fuck is this? Like, wait, when they put out what? So there are rules. Yeah. From 2011, I think it was. It was like their first reunion record uh, or something. Um, I think I stopped listening to them after uh, Four Minute Mile or like... Uh, something to write home about? No, 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 no. Something to write home about. I'm sorry. You were right. Yeah, something to write home about. I mean, I, I'm sure I listened to... The, see, I probably did the exact same thing. <laughs> but uh, yeah. 
I never got over it. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, I was, I yeah, I think I, I was fine with the records they did after something right home about, but I was wasn't in love with them. But I think even when they they put out that record in 2011, I think it was where I was like, oh, this is gonna be, this is gonna be good because I wanted it to sound like something to write home about, and it didn't. And I was like, yeah, okay. But yeah, right. I've come back to it since. I've come back to it since. Been like, oh yeah, they're really good songs on this album that I just disregarded because uh, it was terrible at the time, uh, which is funny. What was the one after uh, something right home? Was it? on a wire or something like that yeah on a wire yeah that's when they got like yeah. a it's almost like a country twang to their sound like i don't i can't explain it yeah yeah no it's like yeah they did the b-sides record eudora in there and, yeah and then, that that was good i, I love that yeah yeah and then like on a wire yeah had that country twang and then they did a guilt show which was more yeah i, I don't know i've not listened to that one a whole lot uh, cause yeah, <laughs> but I'll listen to those first two records a lot. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, dude, I mean, how are you going to top something to write home about? I mean, I, I mean, it's, yeah. it's a perfect get up kids record. Oh yeah, I agree. I was going to ask about, I. Uh, the 2011 uh, reunion show with Code 7. Right. Like, how did it come to be or, or what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How did it come to be? What was it like playing with Doug again and all those old songs? Okay. Oh, yeah. It was, oh, God. The old song, playing the old songs again was just a horrible experience. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I got, I, yeah, I got five beers in me tonight going already, but uh, <laughs> you're, you're getting a good, you're getting good, honest stuff here. So the, so the, the reunion show came together because our buddies in Code Seven, who were a, um, I can't assume your listeners just know who they are. They were, um, they, they kind of took the same path of, path as us before us. Um, mm-hmm. They were, uh, they were a hardcore band who changed their sound up. And, uh, and went, you know, a lot softer and, uh, you know, full singing. But they were good friends of ours who lived, um, about an hour, an hour and a half down the road in Winston Salem, North Carolina. And, um, we would always play shows together, uh, you know, in the late nineties. Uh, and they were just, they were just great dudes. We always played together and just had a blast, did a couple of tours together. And, um, so there was a there was a venue in Winston Salem called Ziggy's and it had been shut down for quite a while um throughout the years but we'd always go there to see shows um but anyway they had a they were having a a reopening in a different location and um in 2011 and Code 7 was also playing around with the idea of doing a reunion show and so um it just kind of felt like the old days, you know, Code Seven's around, Ziggy's is back around. Um, and they approached us and they, you know, they asked us, Hey, we're going to do a Code Seven reunion. Ziggy's is opening back up. Do you think Hope's Hall would want to play? And, um, you know, it was something that we hadn't, 
even thought about. And, um, you know, we, we tossed the idea around to, to some of the guys and, um, you know, everybody seemed down and we also decided, you know, there's been so many members of Hope's Fall. We were kind of trying to figure out what lineup do we go with, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, since it was code seven and since it was Ziggy's and that we associate, you know, that, that was kind of nostalgic for us, you know, playing shows with them. In that venue, in the late 90s, we figured, well, let's go with a late 90s uh, Hope's Fall lineup. And also, at the same time, um, I think the, the EP, Their Wings to Speak Of, was coming up on a, man, maybe like a 10-year, a 10-year reunion or a 10-year anniversary of that record coming out. So we just we're like, we just kind of rolled with that idea, like let's keep it let's keep it kind of late nineties, uh, you know, members, and let's kind of focus it and promote it around this ten year anniversary of No Wings to Speak of, and we're only going to play, you know, No Wings to Speak of and earlier stuff. So we ended up throwing a couple satellite year songs in there anyway. But it was great, you know. It was a fun time. Um, cool. It was it was it was daunting, and it was a little, you know, just getting together. You know, we had to Ryan Parrish had to drive in from Nashville every time we wanted to to get some practices under our belt, and um, mm-hmm. I mean, just just rehashing those those songs that I you know that that we wrote when we were well, I was. Oh, I was, I guess, sixteen, sixteen or seventeen when I when we were writing those frailty of word songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, there was just a lot of, I don't know. It was just like resorting back to playing badly <laughs> because that's how I had to play the song because that's how the people knew the parts and it just. Oh man. Playing that old stuff was just not fun for me. I mean, that's just me oh, speaking okay. personally. Yeah, I'd bought tickets to go see the show, but, but you did two shows. It was like, I know there's one on August 5th because that same roommate who didn't like A-types, um, he got married that day and asked me to be in his wedding. And I was like, oh, I just bought tickets to hope. Okay, fine, I'll be in your wedding. <laughs> and I had to sell my tickets. It was, it was a bummer. Um, uh, so I'm glad you guys came back again. <laughs> Right. <laughs> uh, uh, it was it was funny when me and when you guys played in Brooklyn and and I told you we just missed each other uh, at limited to one by like a few hours. Um, oh, I know that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, me and my wife were there without our kids, and I was like, "Hey, Hope's Fall is playing," and she's like, "Yeah, no." <laughs> I think it had sold out by that point. Once I realized that you guys were there the same day, but it was just funny. Um, Did you get anything good that day? Do you remember? Did you buy anything? Um, I don't remember. I don't remember. Uh, you can't walk out of a record store with nothing because it's, it's awkward. No, 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 you, no, you can't. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta walk by the, by the cash register and you gotta walk by the owner and you're just like, okay, yeah. You know, <laughs> like, it's, it's insulting. You, it, you at least gotta go for a seven inch or something, you know? Right, uh, right. Especially because you probably spent a few hours there, like, digging and. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, that well that that leads 
perfectly. I'm, I'm curious uh, how you got into collecting vinyl. Um, let's see. It, it's something, it's something that I kind of always did, but not okay. like into collecting. Like if there was, if there was a band in town or I was, you know, at a show and they had a seven inch or something like that, that, you know, that had a B side that that was the only way you could hear that song, you know, then I'd buy it even if I didn't have a way to play it, you know? Um, but I really honestly didn't get into, get into collecting vinyl until, um, I guess it was 2011 and it was my first year of being a father and that father's day, um, my wife had surprised me with like 10 or 15 LPs of, you know, just some of my favorite bands and artists and, um, and like a, a, a little crappy record player, you know, cause I'd always talk to her. I was like, man, you know, I wish, you know, I, I like vinyl. I should have gotten into it a long time ago, but I wish, I kind of wish I had a vinyl collection, you know? And, uh, so, you know, so for that Father's Day, she was like, here's, you know, 15 LPs and here's a record player and, uh, we're going to start collecting records pretty much. So it, it, it kind of, it, it kind of was born on that Father's Day of 2011. And, uh, and I, I, I mean, I'd seen, you know, I'd, I'd grown up around records and I, like I said, I've had a couple seven inches from bands that I, that I'd seen on tour, but getting those like 15 or 12 records all at the same time and just going through them, it was just like, I mean, like a like a a switch was flipped, and um, we dove in really hard right then and there after that day. That's awesome. You know, last time I talked to uh, last time I talked to Ryan, uh, which was like a month ago, we were talking about your record collection and how impressive it is, and your ability to post one on Instagram <laughs> all the time. It's crazy, right? It's crazy. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's kind of stupid, but whatever. We gotta have yeah. hobbies, right? Right, right. No, I, I mean, yeah. I wish I'd, I'd spent more time getting full lengths before vinyl really boomed, instead of collecting like all these split seven inches that I have. And I'm like, yeah, these are cool and they're rare, but uh, like, why are people, why are people still charging two hundred and fifty bucks for Starflyer fifty nine vinyl on Discogs. Oh God, right? Uh, yeah, I I don't. Uh, I wish I had a lot more Starflyer, but I can't afford yeah. it. Did you get the uh, silver reissue? I didn't. I really. I mean, you did. It was. It, no, I didn't. It was kind of expensive, and I mean, you know, rightfully so, I guess. But I honestly didn't start getting into Starflyer until like, like maybe like Portuguese Blues or. Uh, okay or old um i mean i appreciate that that sound that they had with the with the silver album but i I, i'm trying these days to be a lot more uh a lot more what's the word i'm looking for uh 
have more control over the the the, the albums that I do decide to buy on vinyl. I don't. Yeah. I I I need them to be records that I really care about and that I really love. Not that I. Yeah. Not that I bought stuff I didn't care about before, but you know, sometimes you get caught up in the in the hype and uh, the the exclusivity of of certain records, you know, and you buy them, but, yeah. you know, I, you know, I love Starflyer, but that's just one I didn't, it, it didn't hit me a lot of the ways that, that, that hardcore Starflyer fans relate to. So, I mean, like if they put out a, sure. if they did like a, uh, singing voices versus talking voices repress, I'd, I'd be all over it. Uh, but yeah, that one, I just, I mean, I, I just about had it in my cart online, but, you know, I just had to be like, eh, it's probably just going to sit there. I'm going to buy it so I can take a picture of it, you know, whatever, and it's going to sit there, and I'm not going to enjoy it, so I'm going to pass. And I, I got, I'm pretty proud of myself. I've gotten a lot better at that over the years. If it's something I don't feel like I need, I, I, don't, I don't feel bad passing on yeah. it. I think you can still get Talking Voice uh, on vinyl. From Burnt Toast Vinyl. No. no I, th- I, I think. Yeah, I think Hatch still has some. You can get anything if you pay the price. But, like, do you mean, like... I mean, didn't Broken Circles put that out? Uh, Like a repress? Broken... I don't think Broken Circles did. I think uh, Burnt Toast Vinyl put it out. Really? I got... Oh, well. As soon as I get off the phone with you, I'm checking that out. That's, like... That's one of my favorites. I don't know why, but that one just hits me like all in all the right that's, spots. That's a good one. That is a good one. Hope Soul just put out this great record, Arbiter. Anything next? You guys gonna do more shows? Or is this is this it, you guys? You gonna ride off into the sunset? No. <laughs> I, I learned never to say that. I never thought we'd be doing Arbiter, <laughs> so I can't I can't ever say that that's it, you know. Um Yeah. I'm I I'm I'm fairly fairly certain and positive that there could be other shows. Um, in the not too distant future, I don't know. I'm not 100 percent sure. We haven't talked about it much after these um after these shows that we just got done playing in July. Um, okay. There's there's a little something else on the table that we need to consider as well too that I'm not at liberty to speak about too much. But uh, there's there's I feel. I feel pretty confident in saying there's there's more to be offered uh in the world of Hope's Fall. So we just you know, we're all old. We we've got careers, we've got families, you know, it's um just getting in a van and getting paid a hundred bucks to go play a show is just not on the table anymore. And um but but nothing's off the table, 
you know, um, we'd love to get out to the West Coast, possibly, and maybe do a few shows out there. Um, but I feel like this new album uh, deserves uh, its voice to kind of be heard live and I'd love to play a couple more shows and just kind of see where that goes. Uh, the Brooklyn shows and the Charlotte shows were such a positive experience. Um, honestly, that I wasn't expecting that I think, um, I think it left a lot of us kind of craving more of. So we'll see, you know. Nothing's off the table, nothing's finished. And, uh, yeah, we'll see. listening to As the Story Grows. Our theme song was written and composed by the legendary Bob Nana. If you like what you hear, subscribe on iTunes and give the show a rating and review. If you'd like to support the show financially, click on the Patreon link at asthestorygrows.com. If you enjoyed this episode, share it on social media with your friends. Much appreciated, and thanks for listening. Start in a song